Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Take Command Podcast here on Odyssey Sports. Uh, make sure you subscribe, whether it's Spotify, Apple. Uh, you can subscribe right there in the Odyssey app. However you want to do it, wherever you're listening right now, obviously we're available, so go ahead and hit subscribe. That way you don't miss an episode. All right, we're going to do this over the next couple of weeks here. One of the things that we did on the pregame show is we go into the film room and, and break down a couple plays from one of the previous games and taking that idea to the off season here it, we're going to start with positional breakdowns and yeah. this is a lot of what coaches do now in their off season they've done this a long time ago right like they did this before the draft they did this before mm-hmm. free agency but we're gonna we're gonna do it right now because we didn't have a podcast back before the draft and free agency <laughs> so you know we're, we're playing catch up here and a also bit. it's still a relevant topic 100% so relevant. Yeah. And in fact, the, the where we start today is the most relevant. So relevant that we've done three episodes and we've talked about the position twice. Middle linebacker. You spent some time watching yeah. the middle linebacker, you know, specifically. And so actually before we even get into to like what you found on tape, can you walk people through what it's like to watch tape for you like as someone who played as someone who really understands what they're watching so when you do an evaluation of a position like middle linebacker like obviously you're watching each play you're watching the middle linebacker it's not like you're just kind of taking it in and be like oh hey look the middle linebacker showed up you're watching him but what are you actually looking for when you watch film on a positional level so yeah like uh, it depends so like when i'm doing um college evaluations i really look at you know, more, sp- it's, it's more general, right? I'm looking for athletic traits. Like how do they run? How do they jump? How do they move? How do they take on blocks? Right. And it's just kind of what is there for the coaching staff. You know, once they get to the NFL to work with. Right. And I think that's a big part of my college evaluation and they go quick. Cause you're like, okay, you can kind of see pretty early on. Like you're a coach, you're a strength coach, Craig. Like you can kind of tell athletic mm-hmm. qualities. I don't want to say quickly, but they tend to reveal themselves very early. And then like the football specific stuff, that's where you got to kind of really study a guy and figure out what's going on for these types of evaluations. I try to take what I need, what I know about Jack Del Rio's defense. Right. And I think that's important to understand. Like they are a single gap defense. So that means that there's usually playing an eight man box and um, that eight man box looks different. Like it might be from a quarters look where both safeties are way back or a cover three look where the safety's in the box. And they always try to be plus one in the run game. And that fit, that extra fit player sometimes comes from depth, sometimes comes from line of scrimmage, but it helps understand like where the linebacker should be in the run fits. And then kind of generally, like what are their coverage instinct likes? Again, like the athletic element is still there, but this is where the, the evaluation really comes into fold, right? Is how they fit within the defense. Are they doing what Jack wants them to do? And, um, and how hard would it be to find someone else to do the role and play the position the way that they're playing it? So with that background, which is really cool insight and in, in understanding that, like, again, it's already 
a type of thing where you have to understand this. This is the point I always made when I did my film stuff and why I always t- tried to take the time to go and talk to players or as I got, you know, certain players that I developed relationships with, I would be able to text them and be like, Hey, I'm watching film. Um, I'm seeing this. Am I right? Because at the end yep. of the day, I want to be right. Like I'm not going to out you is, is the person. And at the end of the day, me going out and putting wrong analysis in, into the Twitter world or to, to on the air or whatever, wasn't helpful. So like they got that, that I cared about being right. And so I, I think the point to underline and emphasize from what you just said, and then we'll dive into the substance of Washington <clears throat> or I guess at the time, Washington football team, middle linebacker 2021, um, is you have to understand what they're supposed to do. Watching a guy go make a play or seeming like he's going to make a play might be him covering for someone else or and, and the guy who makes the play might have just gotten lucky. And like that's yeah. it's okay if you get lucky on a, on occasion. You get lucky a, a lot. That actually means you have really good instincts and you're a playmaker. That's that's no longer luck. Uh, you, you go and you wind yourself, you know, wandering out of position or a guy who looks like he's late covering something because maybe he's actually covering for someone else who screwed up. Understanding the scheme is really important. And so yeah. I, I think it's important that you shared that premise and I appreciate that. And I think that will make us going through all this stuff a lot better. With that said, yeah. you watch middle linebacker. Do you want to start with one particular guy? You want to start with some overarching thoughts? How do you want to dive into this? Yeah. So let's just start like with, uh, let's just start with, so first off, let me just say this. Yeah. Overarching thoughts about the position. I think it's really important for fans to understand is that Playing middle linebacker, any linebacker, but specifically middle linebacker in the NFL is really freaking challenging. NFL offenses have gotten so complex in terms of what they're doing pre-snap, what they're doing post-snap, and even something like a, like a flash block. So like imagine you've got your five offensive linemen, you've got your tight end off the ball, and the tight end goes across the formation weak, right, and kind of cuts the defensive end out of the formation. Like that seems like very simple, like colleges run it, high schools run it. But it, it does stuff to an eight-man front fit. It does stuff to a, you know, a gap-and-a-half fit, you know, like thinking about like um, the Rams, for example. They play a gap-and-a-half up front. That makes it really challenging because you've taken a gap from the front side of the formation and now you've added it to the weak side of the formation. So even something like very, very simple like that makes it very hard. And so now you've got that kind of flash block. You've got motions. You've got jet sweep action. You've got play pass. You've got keepers. You've got screens. And you have to be able to diagnose all of that. And then you have to cover all the concepts that are designed to attack the middle level level of the defense, which is what the NFL is doing now. So in a way, after I've watched all these linebackers, because I watched the two guys here, Cole and Jamin, then I watched a couple of free agent guys, and I just came to this conclusion that playing middle linebacker in the NFL (laughs) is damn near impossible, right? There is like this kind of element of like quarterback level of intellect that you need to have and recognition and instincts that you need to have, which... I wasn't expecting to see when I started this process, right? Like, it's tough. It's tough sledding, right? And then add on to the fact that you need to be able to call the defense, verbalize, get people lined up. Again, very, very challenging. However, despite the tremendous challenges of the position, the position as a whole has been devalued. I think a perfect example is look at L.A. and look at uh, the Bengals, right? They had two, like their starting linebacker core was everybody after the fifth round, basically. They were all drafted after the fifth round. Now they've changed out this offseason with the signing of Bobby Wagner, but like you can get away with kind of average linebacker play. And so I think when you look at the two guys here, I think they're projecting very nicely to average to above average. So let's just start with Jamin, I guess is a good place to start. So Jamin, when you watch him, I guess there's a lot of things that he doesn't do well, right? He, he struggles to take on blocks, which got better after I'd say the second Cowboy or the, the first Cowboys game. He started using his arm length very, very well. He started understanding where to fit a little bit better. Also, you know, linebacker, much like running back, is supported by the defensive line. 
Sure. So if you watch like the first probably three, three and a half, four games, the defensive line was, you know, I think Ron, that was kind of the period of time where Ron was talking about selfish play. Yeah, right? it was a disaster early. Because it's funny, you talk yeah. about L.A. and it's like, well, they have linebackers that are fifth round. It's like, yeah, well, they also have Aaron Donald up front, correct. which tends to help things. Yeah, correct. And they great edge players. You know, they've got mm-hmm. good five techniques. You can play a gap and a half. Here, what I, watched, what I saw early is like Jamin was catching a lot of heat for misfitting runs. And then when you go back and watch those plays, now I'm not saying Jamin was perfect by any stretch of the imagination, but I'd say 10 to 15, maybe 20% of his plays was one of the defensive linemen or not fitting in the correct gap. And so what happens, and remember, if everyone has their own gap, which makes it really easy to identify who's wrong. If someone gap releases and you're in your gap, you look like an idiot because you're counting on, you're forcing right. the ball back to that closed gap, which is now open because someone's released. So I'd say... Just from that, just as that is a starting point, you'll see a, I'd say a 5% production increase from Jamin Davis over the course of the season, just because I'm assuming that you bring in a guy like Fedarian, who's this unselfish player, who's going to play his gap, do what he's supposed to do. After watching Payne, I thought Payne did a much better job than I originally thought in terms of being where he's supposed to be as a nose. But now you get a guy in Fedarian who has a more natural skill set for that, so Payne can move around. And Allen, I think, again, would get out of his gap occasionally, like everybody does, but I think those two guys were much more consistent than, let's say, like a guy like Matt Ioannidis, for example, right? So just imagine that. Imagine you get a 5% uptick in his performance just based on who's in front of him. Right. That's, that's so like, that's to, a, to, to analogize this for folks, yep. like this is like, okay, hey, we got to get somewhere. You get a police escort, right? Police yep. escort's taking And all of a sudden, you follow a police escort down a one-way street the wrong way. But, hey, you got a police <laughs> escort, so you're fine. Right. If all of a sudden that police escort decides to like swerve out of the way and an oncoming truck comes and takes you, you're like, well, I thought that I was safe to be here. I was doing what I was told. And when you're on that second level, if someone else moves out in front of you, like you are screwed. And this is the kind of thing that would happen, you know, a ton early last year. And it's the kind of thing where it was a lot easier to see this, the quote unquote selfish play that Ron would talk about in past situations, because you'd see chase or you see Montez get way upfield. You see a a quarterback scramble out through the gap. And, and it's so obvious that they clearly lost contain that there's like, that's the issue. Okay. We got it. We understand (laughs) on anybody who's ever watched football. Like, Oh yeah. If that guy wasn't so far that way, the quarterback wouldn't have had that lane to run through on run fits. It's a lot more complicated. It's a lot, it's happening in a lot more condensed space. And so that's why I think there's a huge value in in someone like you going back and watching the tape and understanding like, and kind of pausing even at certain points. I mean, like there's a gap, there's B gap, there's, Oh, there's no one there. And all of a sudden running back cuts back, you know, linebackers in the D gap John's in in the B and a half yeah. uh for instance yeah. and you know out, out the running back goes and, and all of a sudden you see that linebacker diving lunging trying to make a play and it's like ah oh, he's out of position it's like no he was exactly where he was supposed to right. be and now he is trying to make up for someone else but this is the NFL the other team's really good and yes. it's not possible to do that thing yes and I and I want to and I want to make it clear that <clears throat> that was not every play like Jamin for sure up. But there are enough plays where you say that if they get that corrected. And now that's tough duty because we just talked about all the stuff offenses are doing to manipulate middle linebackers. But defensive linemen have to be aware of how different pull schemes, different crackback schemes affect how you fit runs, right? And they have to fit differently too, right? So let's say I get that crackback, right? We've added a gap week, for example. I have to play from the A 
where, right? The, the backside A to now the B gap, which if you count it down the line, it's, I know this is kind of a nerdy thing to talk about, but mm-hmm. be, essentially becomes like the new A gap. And so that's tough for those guys to do as well. So I'm not saying that it should be like this easy fix, but when you watch a guy like Federian's tape, like he gets that. It's not the sexiest thing in the whole world, but that's what he does very, very well. And I think that, that having that rotational piece of a guy who's going to be where he's supposed to be is going to help not only Jamin, but also going to help Cole, right? Yeah, you hear, you hear the, t- the term assignment and alignment a lot on defense and yeah. football, but like that's if there's a lot of stuff <clears throat> happening pre-snap or like kind of exotic blocking schemes happening post-snap, knowing yeah. what the assignment is in the first place is it can be really difficult. And so yes. it, it, that's actually really interesting on Fedarian to know that like, yeah, he's smart enough that he's seen a bunch of different stuff and right. res- responds well, understands where he's supposed to be really well. I don't know we're talking about Jamin right now, but Fedarian yeah. also has lined up in multiple spots. He's lined up at a six technique, which is basically defensive end. He's lined up at five. He's lined up at three. He's lined up at nose. So obviously he shows a tremendous ability cognitively mm-hmm. to kind of say, like, I know what the rule is at the end. I know what the rule is at the three. I know what the rule is at the nose. And that's awesome to give you some flexibility up front in a, in a, in a defense which doesn't play a ton of fronts, but, you know, nice to have the positional flexibility. For sure. So All right. To, back to, the, to, to the Jamin-related Jamin stuff. Yes, so, again, like that not only helps Jamie, but that also helps Cole. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So that's also important to note, too. So that's going to be a nice increase in both of them. And if you just look at their PFF scores, for example, right? Cole, I think, graded at like, uh, I think he was like 56, 57. And if you add a 5% increase in production, he's in the 60s. And that's like top, I want to say that's like top 20, no, 37. Top 37 linebackers in the NFL, which is good. Like, because mm-hmm. there are some guys that have like, you mentioned the guy, uh, Quan Alexander, right? He's mm-hmm. probably the best free agent linebacker on the market. Yeah. He graded in at 50% last year in terms of PFS metric. Now, say what you want about PFS metric, but it kind of gives you everyone's getting graded approximately the same. So Cole, with this adjustment, would be roughly 10 points higher than him. You know, a guy who has by far got a better pedigree, better athlete, but just by getting that contribution from the defensive front is better. And so Jamin goes from a 49 to a 59. And you get two linebackers who are graded over sixty or graded approximately sixty, which is great for your linebacker play, given all the stuff they have to negotiate. Mm-hmm. Now, back to Jamin again. Early in the season, really struggled taking on blocks, even when he was covered up. He just had a hard time. He'd be really high, didn't use his length well. Again, get to the Dallas game, and you see a guy who starts to understand, like, okay, I can't run into this guy with my chest. This is the NFL. This guard is going to smoke me. And you saw a much more productive guy at a taking on blocks, b shedding blocks. And then also kind of playing with a little bit better sense of urgency, right? So that's good because that was a big criticism of his game. And then yeah. on top of that, when dude is covered up, I mean, this is going to sound like hyperbole, but I'm being 100% real here, is I've never seen a human being, NFL, I mean, like, and that's a, I'm, getting out, I'm getting ahead of myself. He runs to the football like probably five dudes in the NFL can. When he's covered up, he can flat fly to the football so when like you say covered can, up so people understand like yes. when, he, when he is free which yes. I, like football terminology is backwards covered yeah. up means free yes, like that doesn't right. make sense but like basically when the lineman eats the block that he's supposed to in front if the guy who's supposed to go up and block Jamin is covered up thus Jamin yes. is free yeah pew, goodbye it's 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 incredible like he like his spat his splash plays from last year like I don't even remember all of them but the, I, just one that comes to mind was against Buffalo he's in the a gap they're running a screen or like a pick play to the right, and the rec- he's got the third receiver. So they run a play action. So he fits, and then he recognizes that it's not a it's not a run, 
and he runs to the flat, and he's able to catch a receiver before he's able to turn up and make a play. Like, there are very few people on God's green earth who have that ability. So if you're a fan of the position, and I think like Ron and Jack are, you see those moments and you say, wow, like, this is a very, this is like a diamond. This is a unicorn, and we need to foster this. Now, the thing that I found most frustrating about Jamin is I felt like even as he was playing better, I felt like his football IQ was diminishing i felt like there was a lot of plays where i'm like he has no idea what the Mm -hmm. heck he's doing like against i mean this is this is a perfect example so against the uh against atlanta they run a lot outside zone the back tries to bounce it outside and jamin is like a magnet shoom tackle for loss like incredible like again one of those miraculous plays from my, my linebacker position the next play they run a little jet sweep the other way. His feet are dead frozen in the ground. The guard runs up and is right on him right now because that's what guards do in that scheme. Like, you know, Kyle Shanahan ran the shit out of that here. Mm-hmm. And he tries to undercut the block, and then he's out of his gap, and there's a huge asshole. And thank God uh, Allen basically, like, deboed his guy and, like, made the tackle. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? But, like, right. that kind of stuff is super frustrating, that hesitation, right? He had a coverage. Uh, he had a touchdown against Green Bay to, to- – Tanyan? How do you say that guy's name? The tight end? Uh, I think that's right, Tanyan. Yeah, yeah, whatever. And he's got, it's a middle field closed. He's a tight end. We don't care about tight ends yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Forget that guy. But there's like the middle <laughs> field is closed, right? There's a safety there. And he's playing with inside leverage when his help is to the inside, right? So like those things are things that you should know, right? Those things are things that make you play football better. So what I see, again, this is a good and a bad thing, is I saw a guy who didn't know what he was doing a lot. And if I'm Jack, if I'm Ron... Maybe I take solace in the fact that in year two of a defense, he's going to know what he's doing at a little bit higher level. And therefore, you get more of those kind of one in a million type of splash plays that make him a really special, special football player. The reason you take him 19th overall in 2021. Yeah. Um, It also seems or feels to me like a guy who kind of and I'll explain this um, because it's going to sound harsh initially, but like he needs to learn how to think. Right. Like Correct. he needs yes. to learn how to prioritize information of yes. like if you're inside, if you have help inside and you're playing inside, you need to have a higher level of understanding and be able to filter the information and be thinking from the very beginning. Like I have help inside. I need to play outside. Correct. Like, and it really is about at the NFL level, at NFL speeds, prioritizing the right things and understanding if I'm going to get beat. I need to get beat in this way. And that way I know that I have help there right. or whatever it is and trusting your teammates around you. And, you know, part of that is just experience of like, Oh, I did that last time. It didn't really work. And this is a guy who hasn't played a lot of football. So it's gonna be really interesting in year two, just to watch him develop. Cole's got a little bit more football under his belt. Yeah. had a lot more at Carolina. Uh, where he was three straight years of a hundred plus tackles and then comes out, Lines up, winds up playing a lot more, I think, than, than anyone anticipated early and has now got a decent amount of NFL football uh, for a guy, you know, considering his draft position and how young he is, yeah. under his belt. What did you see from Cole Holcomb last year as you, as you dove back into the tape with, with fresh offseason eyes? Yeah, so I think the thing about Cole is he's like, he's like I don't want to say, he's like two years ahead of Jamin, right? So a lot of the issues that Jamin has in terms of like knowing what to do and rallying to the football, there's a little bit of hesitation, but it's fewer there's fewer instances of that and he's also like a much better tackler right so he gets to the spot where he's supposed to be more frequently and he's there with more consistency right he's taking on the block better his his technique is just more refined because when you compare their athletic measurables like i know jamin is like a one in a million in terms of length 
vertical jump 40, but Cole ran like a 4-4 something, 4 Yeah, he ran a 4-4-5, I think. It is yeah, probably. like so he's rolling, right? And he's a converted safety, and you see that. You see his ability to like make those plays. Again, they're not quite that same level of wow as Jamin, but the floor for Cole is not as low as Jamin, where Jamin's falling on his butt and like running the wrong way and all that kind of stuff. Like Cole is much more consistent, and that makes sense, right? And so I, you know, I was talking to John Kime. I was like, "Do you remember Cole being similar to Jamin in the beginning?" And he was like, "Yes." And I think that's good, right? I think because we talked about like we talked about it. What if the D line just plays with a little bit more consistently in terms of where they're supposed to be from a gap? How that increases production by let's say five percent. Imagine if Jamin knows what to do by an increase of ten percent, and that's not a big increase, but that's enough. So now you're even. Like you're feeling pretty good about that development, and it's like, and it's not like this crazy development where you say, Jamin or Cole, they need to be running four or fives to play in this defense. Like mm. they do that. They've got the physical tools. It's just about getting more comfortable in the system and making sure the coach is directing them at a very high level. So I think Cole is actually in a really good spot. You know what I'm saying? It's just about whether he can. You mentioned Mike linebacker. Is he a true Mike? And usually when you watch a true Mike, they have this very high level ability to just. Again, like I think about Luke Keekley, I think about Ray Lewis, I think about Brian Erlacher, those types of guys, it's just instantaneous processing. They get everybody lined up, they get the call out, and then they're ready to play football. And then like Luke Keekley is a great example, he's been well documented, calling the run formations out, all that stuff. Like that's a next level thing. And I think right. that honestly comes from like film study and film prep. Mm-hmm. Like you mentioned what was you had a nice way of wording it was the like prioritization um, of information. Right. And that comes not necessarily like in the moment of of the ball being snapped Mm -hmm. that comes on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, when you're studying first and down first and second down runs for the opposing team, right? This is what they like to run. This is what's problematic when we run our cover four. This is what's, what's problematic when we run our cover three. How am I going to combat this? What's my visual cue? What's my tell? How do I know play action versus, and you can just tell they have no one in that room who's done that outside of Mayo perhaps. And that's why you see against Philly, for example, you see, Cole playing a little bit better because Mayo's out there. And that's, I think after watching him play, I think that's how he prepares, you know, and that helps everybody else. And and so it's as simple as this of like, if you, if you're like me and you struggle to go to a restaurant and figure out what the hell you want to eat (laughs) and you go to somewhere like the cheesecake factory, not that I go to the cheesecake factory often, but it is like notoriously known for having the biggest menu known to me. It's got a Bible, Bible of a menu. Right. And you're like, ah, if you just try to pick, something off of the entire cheesecake factory menu you're screwed but if yeah. you're like do i want chicken or steak okay i yes i want one of those two things and it's chicken well now you've yeah. narrowed down a lot and, and if you're like all right it's first it's first second down and let's say it's second down and seven which yeah. is actually one of the still you're gonna have like the most the biggest menu there that's like a, an ideal distance for an offense but like there are things you can eliminate there are certain yeah. things that you know okay it's second and seven i know based off of their tendencies based off of what they run based off the you know all of a personnel. sudden you watch the personnel, personnel they break the huddle and you just like keep narrowing it down it's like okay i know second and seven is chicken okay yeah. now they're in in three wide receivers <laughs> what an analogy three wide receivers one tight end okay now and now it's chicken and rice and like all of a sudden you're at like three dishes and you're like okay well i can defend and and by the way if i know it's three and two of them go one way and one goes the other right uh, like all of a sudden it goes the way of the one and you know what the play is a half second into it and so it's that that again prioritization of information the ability to to process of elimination and figure out and just weed things out 
based off of the information that's given to you as it comes in. It's a lot. It involves that study earlier in the week to have that that full playbook in your mind in the first place to not forget anything and to really understand what's going to happen. And But even if it goes, let's say, the direction where there's two, okay, well, now you've only got two options, and that's a lot easier to fend than the yeah. entire Cheesecake Factory menu. Right. <laughs> that is the best analogy I've ever heard for film study. But that's exactly right. I did it. That's exactly right. You're taking this thing that is infant like super complex and you're just basically saying like in so like this is what like this is what i would do when i was prepping for um other teams i would get oh like this is what we're doing in 21 personnel us as an offense Mm -hmm. these are the runs we're running these are the fronts the defense runs to this right and as an offense you don't want to run certain things in certain situations so instead of having a million plays now you only have like four plays like even short yardage everyone thinks like short yardage oh my gosh everything's on the table but usually, like on the call sheet, there's two plays that you call in, like third and three, right? And then there's a play of like two, like two passes and one run. So that's three plays. So if you can, through your film study, digest that, then you say, okay, they run their run play out of this personnel grouping with this player and this kind of cadence, like then it's these other two, and like that's the type of stuff that these guys need in their life at the moment. And I don't know who's going to give it to them. Right, because you look at the free agent market right now for linebacker, specifically middle linebacker, and it's it's shown in Alexander. It's, yeah, it's it's that's it, that's it. And then maybe like a, a, another name that comes up is like Ogletree, but Ogletree mm-hmm. had a rough year last year. When I watch his tape, like I, I like him as a player, I like the energy he brings, but again, like not a guy who's going to help you help you intellectually the way that I think these guys need to be helped. And I think. That I mean, you could maybe hire a coach, hire a consultant, whatever you need to do. But that is, to me, the thing that's going to get you the most squeeze out of both those guys. Because get, the get Keekly off are, of television, get him in here. Yeah, get him in. I, like, I'm not even kidding. Like, get him on the phone. You yeah, know, 100%. and just say, like, get him on here and like maybe have a meeting with him, like just to see how we process. Now, Keekly is a unicorn because he's got all the physical tools and he's got this tremendous ability to digest information. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And process information, but. Like that is the thing that they need probably most significantly is like that mental uptick and uptick in performance. And Cole is good, but he is he goes from like a C C player, C plus player to like a B P B plus player with just that element to his game. 